Hello, friends and listeners of the LeaderCast podcast. This is Mo, the producer, jumping on really quick before this episode starts to let you know that we are going to be wrapping up season one of the podcast. The final episode in season one will be coming out on April 23rd. We are going to be coming back with an even better season two later this year. Stay tuned on our socials for updates as we know more, and thank you for being an avid listener. This is the LeaderCast Podcast, helping you be a leader worth following. Hello and welcome to another episode of the LeaderCast Podcast. I am Bart Keeler. You know, sometimes it's hard for leaders to focus on themselves and to reflect on their mentality, their behaviors, their actions, and to really understand why they're doing these things. Often leaders spend so much time trying to, you know, read their followers that they forget to spend time reading themselves. Wouldn't it be awesome to have a method that helps leaders understand their motivations and behaviors? Well, on this episode of the LeaderCast podcast, we are blessed to have Ian Cron, a best-selling author, an Enneagram teacher, nationally loved speaker, Dove award-winning songwriter, psychotherapist, and Episcopal priest. That's quite a title, Ian. <laughs> His uh, multidisciplinary <laughs> approach helps others grow their self-awareness. Ian, thank you so much for joining the LeaderCast podcast. We're just delighted to have you sharing your intriguing perspectives for our listeners. Likewise, glad to be here. You obviously spoke on our LeaderCast live stage back in May. And quite honestly, to much acclaim, Ian was one of our top rated speakers from the 2018 event. And and you kind of introduced our audience to the Enneagram and and how it it really helps categorize people into, I don't want to say a simplistic view, but just a way that people can kind of get a snapshot of what they and what others might be like. So could you take some time to kind of explain a little bit, just very quickly, what this Enneagram is? Sure. The Enneagram is a, a personality typology that teaches there are nine basic personality types in the world, one of which each of us gravitates toward and adopts in childhood as a way to cope and feel safe in the world and to navigate the landscape of relationships. Now, each of those types has an underlying motivation that powerfully influences the way that type acts, thinks, and feels in the world and the way that it it sees the world. So, the Enneagram is not just a, a trait personality profile. It's deeper than that. It, it actually helps reveal what is it underneath the waterline of our lives that's actually driving our behaviors, whether we, we know it or not. And I think that's one of its great contributions to the conversation around personality and self-leadership. It's very interesting because you, you mentioned a kind of personality styles and there's tons of ways to, you know, categorize or type yourself into a personality. But as you mentioned, it goes a little bit deeper. Now, explain what the importance of understanding, you know, your motivations, your behaviors, what's the importance of that layer? Well, actually, each of us embody all nine of these personality styles. Interesting. So if you try to determine your type on the basis of traits or characteristics, you're going to become confused because you're going to identify with every single one of these types. So what really matters is identifying the 
motivation of each of the types so that you can say, ah, that really sounds like me. And I'm always telling people it's, it's not what you do that matters. It's why you do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out, hey, what is it that throughout the course of my life has some belief underlying assumption about the way the world is? You know, what, what is it that's really been dominantly influential in the way that I act, think, and feel and the way that I see the world? And I keep repeating that phrase because really that's kind of what personality is, right? The, the way that we act, think, feel, and see the world on a, on a regular basis over a long or enduring period of time, you know, since we can remember the, those characteristics and traits that make us us in the eyes of other people. So this underlying motivation is critical because if you actually don't know what that is, then you really won't be able to begin to self-regulate and understand not only yourself, but, but other people. Now, we kind of got a, a snapshot of every single type when you were on stage back in May. But, you know, I'm sure people come to asking you this all the time. Well, how can I tell which type I am? What's the easiest way? And maybe that's not the best way, but what's the, a quick way to say, ah, this number sounds like me? Sure. Well, the first thing I'd say is to remember again that you really embody within yourself all nine types. And so what I really should say is when you determine your type, it's really determining your dominant type, which is the one that sounds like your default setting. What's the one that has a gravitational pull that you go, ah, that one's more like me than the other eight. Okay. Now, some people almost all people say to me, hey, where do I take a test? Where do I take this or the next thing? Well, here's the problem with tests. Self-report assessments have significant margins of error because the test can't determine whether or not the person's actually self-aware enough to give accurate answers. The test can't determine whether you're describing the person you would like to be versus the person that you are or the person you aspire to be, but you're not there yet. So, Really, the best way to determine your type is to, A, read a book about it, or B, take a workshop, preferably both. And then the second way is to get a a grasp on or the the one or two sentence underlying motivation for each of the types, rather than going through the traits and saying, oh, that kind of sounds like me. Nope, don't waste your time. Go to the underlying motivation and figure out whether or not which of those nine sounds, the motivation sounds most like what's underneath the surface line of your life. Well, we've talked a lot so far in this podcast very quickly about that term self-awareness. That's such a weird thing, I think, for a leader to, to truly grasp because, as I mentioned, it, it seems like leaders are always so concerned with understanding their followers, the people around them, so that they can better lead them. But what does self-awareness do for a leader? Sure. Well, number one is it's the key predictor of success for leaders, and that actually is a, a based on research. The Cornell University did a study a number of years ago in, in cooperation with Green Peak Partners to determine what the key predictor of success was among leaders, CEOs actually of companies worth a billion to, let's say, actually maybe $50 million to about $5 billion. Mm-hmm. And to their surprise, it wasn't you know the ability to be a strategic thinker or a visionary or what have you, it, it was self-awareness, which was really stunning to the, to the research team. Self-awareness, you know, really is about 
understanding yourself. It begins with self-knowledge, mm-hmm. understanding your way of being in the world. It's about having knowledge around how your personality affects other people and involves regulating, monitoring, and correcting your ways of thinking, acting, and feeling on a moment-to-moment basis. So for example, you know, a person who who doesn't have much self-knowledge or self-awareness is kind of like driving in the dark, not realizing the impact that their personality and way of seeing the world is having on other people at any Mm -hmm. given moment. So you got to start with you. A good leader has to start with themselves. You can't start by saying, okay, well, this person is like that. This person is like that. You have to, to unlock it, really, to unlock the relationship. You also have to know, you know who you are. On what basis do you make decisions? How do you uh, relate to other people? Because you really have to be attuned to who other people are if you want to have effective communication and to effectively lead them. Otherwise, you're kind of guessing, like, what's mm-hmm. going to motivate this person? What's going to help this person you know, be more productive and effective and happier in their work and stick around a long time and be committed to a vision? If you don't know that then you're going to waste a lot of time and maybe do some damage in the relationship along the way that you don't intend. Now, you mentioned a couple times also that phrase self-regulation and regulation. And I think when we look at leadership, that's an integral part to understanding how our personality can affect others. What in your mind is that self-regulation? Like what's a good way for a leader to, as we would say, you know, check themselves? Developing world-class leaders in your community is now easier than ever with LeaderCast. In addition to our flagship May event, becoming a presenting partner allows you to stream multiple events per year, each with an opportunity to earn money. The new LeaderCast lets you invite 1 to 1,000 people with unlimited streaming opportunities. Check out more at LeaderCast.com or the link in our bio. Well, you know, let me give you an example of this. I worked with a company not long ago where the, there was an individual uh, senior management person, and this person had a very aggressive, what we call a type A challenger personality, okay? Mm-hmm. They're aggressive, notoriously blunt, strong leaders, but, you know, not the most sensitive people you've ever met in your entire life. They're driver drivers. They're fantastic when they're healthy and self-aware, but they can, they're, they can be steamrollers when, when they're not, right? And before this person developed some self-awareness working with me in the Enneagram, they were really kind of in trouble. They were effective. They were doing good work. But this person was losing team members right and left. And people were miserable, you know. And he was kind of clueless as to, hey, what was going on, right? Because, again, no self-knowledge, not much self-awareness. And he was just employing strategies over and over again in his relationships, his way of being in the world that weren't working, right? But it was all he knew. So I came in and I helped him understand uh, a little bit about his habitual, predictable ways of behaving that, that weren't working. And more importantly, I helped him understand this is how other people experience you. And he was shocked. So here was an example. He was a guy who uh, people used to kind of roll their eyes because he never knocked on a door before he walked into an office. He just oh, blew in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And in a big voice, you know, he would make these big commands and demands and people would be lots of other different personality styles, people who, you know, have a different way of seeing the world. They were intimidated and frightened by this guy. 
And when I told him that people are afraid of him, he looked at me like I'd grown another head. He just couldn't believe that people were experiencing him as an overwhelming person. And when I told him that, you know, at first, I'll tell you the honest truth. He was like, well, they have to get over it. And I said, okay, you can hope that happens, but they're not going to. And frankly, your team doesn't like you. So I said, you can't lead a group of people that actually find you someone that isn't really a great leader. You're a great shover, but you're not Mm. a great leader. And, you know, after a couple of weeks of working together, he began to rework his way of being in, in the team. And I'm just telling you, it was made a night and day difference in there. The productivity is up. What he did actually with the 28 people who worked with him, they now all have their different Enneagram numbers on their doors that work with them as well. And it has created so much more happiness, contentment, efficiency, productivity, laughter. People understand each other. There's, it's a far more relaxed environment in the sense of, you know, not in a, in a non-productive sense of the word, but just people are, there's oxygen, right? People understand each other and they appreciate each other. And now, not only that, but this leader knows who has what gifts, who doesn't have what gifts. He knows how to communicate to different kinds of people. And not only has it changed him at work, it has dramatically changed the relationship he has with his wife and his children. And that's true also for all of his team members who've learned the Enneagram. So it, it has wonderful spillage over, you know, the banks of just simply work. It sort of migrates out into other people, relationships and other spheres. So it's a very powerful little instrument. Absolutely. Obviously, here at LeaderCast, we, we talk a lot about how leadership is not just in the workplace. and It doesn't matter what your title or role is. So when we look at the Enneagram and, and how it helps with leadership, I keep hearing kind of this idea of relationships and how you not only relate to the world, but how, you know, your personality builds relationships with other people. And kind of in that example that you just said, I want to ask you again, maybe in a different way now to kind of uncover a different level of this. What does it do to help us understand our Enneagram number, but then also how that ties into other people's number. So what is that dynamic there? Yeah. So what the Enneagram reveals is that not everybody sees the world the same way. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that leaders make is to presume that their way of seeing the world and interpreting the world is normal. Because if you think that everybody is seeing a situation in business or whatever, you know, sphere of, of work that you do, that they all see like the same set of things and they're processing the same way. They're simply not. Your way of seeing the world is not normal. If you, because if you look at the Enneagram, there are nine normal ways of seeing the world at least, right. right? And within each type, there's an infinite variety or shades of seeing the world within that type, right? So that's one of the things I'm always telling people. There are nine types. There are really nine times infinity, right? You, everybody's a different shade <laughs> yeah. of, of the types within it, right? And so it's terribly important to know that, for example, in communication, in email, in face-to-face time with clients and customers, right, to really listen carefully and try to determine how is this person seeing the world? How are they receiving what I'm saying? Do I need to tweak my, my presentation to this person? Do I need to ratchet back my personality? Do I need to listen more and speak less or do I need to step in and lead more? 
So it's all about in the moment to moment, reading the world, taking into consideration the fact that not everybody's seeing it the same way and account for that in our relationships. Listen, here's the bottom line. And this, again, based on research, the number one thing leaders have to deal with day in and day out are relationships. And when, and number two, let's face it, what leadership, leaders spend most of their time doing is solving relationship problems and conflict. People not understanding each other, people not getting along, people not understanding themselves that other people see the world differently. So man, to have this information is incredibly important because you need to create an environment in which people feel understood. I'll give you another little data point. I think the number one reason that people don't stick, that people, you don't have much employee engagement is because they don't feel valued. They don't feel listened to. They don't think their immediate report actually knows what they do, values it, or values their input, that they just feel like a cog in the machine. Man, oh man, talk about something that disincentivizes people. When you know the Enneagram, you can really help people flourish in their context Mm. because you know what it is that motivates them. You know their fears. You know their blind spots. You can really help nurture them and develop them as human beings. And I honestly, I, I think I said this at my LeaderCast presentation, a leader who doesn't genuinely care about his or her people has no business being a leader. We've been given a, a very, very important responsibility to develop human beings beyond just their responsibilities at the office. I'm not saying, you know, we have to, you know, people's therapists, but we do really have to care about their development and as human beings because I just think that's part and parcel of being a good leader. Now, I like that quote about how, you know, if you're not, basically, if you're not concerned with those who follow you, what are you doing in leadership? So I guess the question then comes, how does self-awareness help us understand others better? Well, it gives us empathy. It gives us compassion. One of the great gifts of the Enneagram, unlike other instruments, now, for example, I love Strength Finder. I love Mm -hmm. Colby. I love all these different um, sort of resources that we have. But one of the things I love about the Enneagram is it's not going to just tell you what you're good at. It's going to tell you where your blind spots are. It's going to mm-hmm. tell you what you're like in stress. It's going to tell you about, you know, the ways that you make decisions for good or for ill. It's going to tell you that what's best about you is what's worst about you. And what's worst about you is also what's best about you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's always like, you know, there's always a relationship between those two things. And, you know, I feel like if you have self-awareness, then you're able to harness what's, what's best about you. Now, I would also say for a good leader, they're not just going to learn about their type. They're going to mm-hmm. learn about all types, right? They're really going to immerse themselves in understanding human beings, what motivates them, what frightens them, what encourages them, what helps them to develop to their highest capacity. Um, it's going to help you know if you've got the right people on the bus, if they're sitting in the right seats, if you're making demands on people that they actually can't fulfill because they're just, their architecture isn't designed to, to do it. And so I just, I can't stress enough how important it is for people to live what I would call is emotional wisdom, right? We hear emotional agility all the time. We hear about mm. you know, emotional intelligence. I call this emotional wisdom. It does have a spiritual quality to it, which mm-hmm. is human beings are more than brains on sticks. 
<laughs> they, <Yeah. laughs> they have hearts. They have histories. They have families. They have children, you know. And uh, if we don't care about the whole person, uh, beginning with our own self-awareness, then we're doing a great disservice. We're actually exploiting people. And gosh, that's the last thing I think most leaders want to do. Now, I kind of want to reset for a second. And this is, again, Ian Cron talking about the Enneagram, which is, I guess you could say a nine-sided figure, if you will, but it has nine components to it, nine personality types and coming from ancient times. So I think my, what intrigues me about this particular personality typing system and, and anything that goes into it is there's a little bit of, I, I want to say, an innate understanding of these personality types. I remember when you were describing it at LeaderCast Live and when we were when I've read about it since, you kind of almost have like a picture of someone in your brain that fits this exact type. You go, oh yeah, that's my dad. That's my former boss here. That's my best friend growing up. And I kind of like the the idea that this is, this isn't, I don't want to say this isn't new, but it's definitely something that everyone has these qualities. It's just a matter of being able to kind of characterize them all. And so with that kind of innate understanding of, that we might have a little bit, what does having that, you know, true written down kind of spelled out typography, if you will, of each person that you might lead, you know, sure you have a feel for how they are, but how does truly testing them or truly evaluating them and understanding their personality help you even more? Yeah. Well, you know, first I would say that it would be, it would behoove any leader to have someone like myself or another expert come in the room and really help unpack, you know, who's on the team, what their gifts are, what their types are. And I can eliminate so many inefficiencies, misunderstandings in a day, a day and a half. I mean, seriously, I can get more done than, than I've had <laughs> leaders tell me. I've had, you, you've gotten more done in, in eight hours than I've gotten the two or three other consultants who came in. Because here's the deal. The Enneagram is very intuitive. It's very narrative, right? So it's not right. like, I, I like the Myers-Briggs, but the Myers-Briggs is not a simple system to understand, number one. And it's static. It doesn't take into account the fact that the human personality is dynamic. It's fluid. Who you are uh, under stress is a lot different than the person you are when you're not under pressure. Yeah. So, you know, people will say, how many times has someone said to, you know, somebody at the office, boy, so-and-so is not themselves today. Well, it's because they're not operating in the mean of their personality. Something's going on either at home or at the office that has, you know, has completely torqued them. We've seen it, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, Man, so-and-so did this today. I've never seen them blow up. Because, you see, we, we all kind of like become accustomed to people's way of being in the world, the way they typically act, think, and feel. Mm -hmm. When they go beyond the tails of it, you know, we're like, whoa, what happened? You know? And it can either be positive or negative. Sometimes we see people step up and they do things really positively. And we go, wow, so-and-so has really found their voice. Or, boy, that's a sweet spot for so-and-so. Well, it's so great when you don't have to guess. Yeah. You know, yeah. as to what's going on. And when you don't have to like go, well, how do I keep that person in the good space? You know, or, you know, when you're a leader and, and you see somebody acting outside the lines, you're like, you know, the Enneagram, you can you can be pretty predictive. You can kind of go, well, I think this is what's happening. You know, they seem to be under stress. I need to pop in the office, find out what's going on. You know, how can I help them? So the other thing I'd say is when I say that it's narrative, what I mean is, you can get in about three, four pages, very, very easy to understand descriptions, 
and ways of relating to different people is incredibly efficient. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like you don't have to know what ENFP means. You don't need to know. You don't need to do a lot of diagnostic work. It's right. pretty much laid out for you. And and I have to say, it's uncannily accurate. You know, I've had people look at me. I'll just give you another example. As a therapist, you know, sometimes as a favor, I, I might meet with a couple three or four times, right? Or they'll come in right. for a weekend because they're, they're in crisis. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. And it, it's not because I'm a genius, really. It's just I just understand the system. People look at me like I'm a psychic. Because it's like I'll say, okay, here's what's going on. And literally, I can get done in 12 hours what used to take me six months to a year. Because wow. I just have a very efficient system that over a long period of time has been refined and refined and refined so that literally every sentence people feel like they're getting, you know, it's just scales literally dropping from their eyes. Like, oh my gosh. With husband and wife. I had a guy who was the head of a big company in Silicon Valley. And I met with he and his wife and he, he looked at me after two days and he said, hey, you know, I just want you to know, I know my wife 30% better now than I did two days ago. And if I had met you 10 years ago, you probably could have saved me $50,000 in huh. counseling fees. And I said, well, live and learn, spread the word. <laughs> you know, uh, that's all I can say. It's, it really is that good. Now, is it perfect? No. Is it the Rosetta Stone? No. You know, did I find it in a cave with Harrison Ford somewhere in the Middle East, you know, written on tablets? Absolutely <laughs> not. It's, it's not an infallible system. It's not magic. But it's just what happens when, over a long period of time, people observe other people's ways of being in the world and record it. And people have been doing this since the Greeks 2,000 years ago. You know, we've right. all been looking at different types of people. In the Middle Ages, we did it using different categories. So it's not unique to the Enneagram, but we just know, right, that there are, you know, silos or categories in which people operate on a typical basis. And it does not in any way diminish their individuality because mm -hmm. within each of those types, there's an infinite number of expressions. So everybody is different. Everybody is unique. But in lots of ways, they're kind of the same in many ways. So again, I just have a world of respect for the system. I don't, like I said, I, I there are a lot of people I know who get turned onto the Enneagram and they become kind of frothy mouthed, you know, uh, fans for a while. And I'm usually like, you know, I'm, trying, I'm always trying to cool those people down by saying, hey, I mean, you know, yeah, it's great, but it's not the answer to all of life's mysteries. But it's going to help you be smarter in the world and be more compassionate, kind, empathic, a better listener, a better communicator, a better leader, husband, wife parent, friend. I mean, really, it, it just kind of flowers out into every relationship you have. And let's face it, in business, in a church, whatever it is that you happen to do in your life, it is all about relationships. It always is. It always comes down to relationships. And the more information you have about who you are and who other people are, the more effective, the happier, and really the more influential, more influence you're going to have for the better for the mission of your work and the mission of your own personal life. Well, unfortunately, we don't all have the experience that you have uh, working with the Enneagram and, and we don't have, you know, all the texts in front of us. But what are some ways that we 
be it a leader in a, in a boardroom or, you know, the mom at home, what are some ways that we can take steps today to become more self-aware, but also kind of understanding of others? So here's a, I think I, I gave this question at LeaderCast and I've, I've used it a few times and I'm telling you, it's powerful if you have the nerve to ask it. Okay. We all have blind spots. And this is one of the things that the Enneagram reveals is what are my blind spots? Right. And, the, you know, of course, the problem with blind spots is you're blind to them. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, what's, what's the problem with the unconscious? Well, it's unconscious. Yeah. So how do you get that stuff out of periphery of your vision where you can't see it all that well into the forefront? Well, ask a friend or you could ask a spouse, you could ask one of your children this question. What do you know about me that I don't know about me, but I should? Dangerous question. Mm. And what you may find out is, I hope, two things. One is that some way that you you think, feel, or act, or the way that you see the world, someone's going to tell you, I don't know if you know this. I don't think you do, because repeatedly I see you do this thing, and it really diminishes you. It doesn't enlarge you. It diminishes you. And I'm telling you, if you're an open-hearted person and you can receive that kind of information well, and by gosh, if you're a leader, I hope you do, because, you know, that's your best friend at that moment. You, you know what I mean? Like that right. the person who has the, to, is, has the freedom to do that, that person's your best friend in the moment. I've had people tell me stuff about myself with great compassion and at my invitation, things about myself that were hard to hear, but I can tell you really really helped me. Can I give you an example of that? Do we have time for that? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, you know, Mike Hyatt spoke at LeaderCast, right? Yes. And Mike is arguably one of my top three best friends. He lives two blocks from me uh, here in town, in a little town of Franklin. And we see each other often. And one night I was really, I was complaining about a publisher. <laughs> you know, which kind of is, a, is not only a writer's privilege, it's sort of like part of the job description, it seems, you know, we're always, we're always complaining about, oh, they did cruddy marketing, or they just, they didn't follow through on this or whatever. And I was just whining and moaning about and complaining and criticizing a publisher, a person at, at a publishing company. Mike turned around to me and he says, you know, Ian, I don't know if you know this, but oftentimes when something's not going your way, you tend to not only complain, but to blame others for it. And I kind of was thrown back on my heels because at that time I, I hadn't even asked for that feedback, but I think Mike <laughs> was just kind of fed up. He, he was just kind of fed up of hearing me kind of like kind of whine aloud about all the misfortunes of other people. But, you know, and it hurt. It stung when he said it. I felt a little embarrassed. I felt exposed, right? Some of the best advice I've ever gotten happened in that five seconds. Mm-hmm. Because in that moment I realized, you know what? I got to take responsibility for what happens in my life. And when things don't go my way, you know, as was like maybe Steve Jobs. Says, no, no, I'm sorry, Jeff Bezos, who said, uh, you know, complaining is not a strategy. Mm, yeah. And I just remember thinking to myself, well, complaining is not a strategy, man. If it's not working, go fix it, and or accept it, one or the other. But start, stop whining about it, and move on. And mm-hmm. Mike really helped me in that moment. And and uh, so that's a very powerful question, right? Uh, what do you know about me that I don't know about me that I should know about me? Mm-hmm. And Let's face it, most people in our lives, in our personal lives, in our professional lives, you know, they don't really, we don't get that feedback because people usually give us a pass unless it really becomes painful, right? Because they're like, eh, you know, so what? Everyone's got to fall, you know, but they don't really realize it's really holding us back in lots of areas of our lives. And so that's one way to gain some self-awareness is just go ask for it. This is pretty simple. 
the other thing is, is I would say, get to work reading and studying. I mean, this is like, this is like humanity 101. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's, 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 you know, can I just say one of the things that amazes me in life is we don't teach kids growing up about other human beings and how they work. Mm. You ever thought about that? Like, yeah. you learn how to read, you learn how to do math, you learn how to play on the playground. But, you know, somewhere along the line, I, wouldn't it be helpful if someone said, hey, guess what? Let's just talk for a few minutes about how other people see the world, why other people act, think, and feel the way that they do. So that, you know, we just get a little basic course in how to be empathic and to listen and understand that we're different from other people. And that doesn't make us better. There's no type that's better than another. But just kind of a rudimentary little course in how to get along and understand other people. I can't figure out why we don't do that starting in first grade. It would, it would solve a lot of problems if we did. Head them off at the pass. I mean, sort of self-awareness for first graders. Every year we should have something more yeah. about self-awareness. But all we do is we feed kids information. We don't give them any wisdom about how to get along with people. That is a very interesting take. Both of those pieces of information about asking someone to kind of evaluate you. And then also, I think that is a flaw that we have as human beings is we don't take the time to understand others. And obviously, mm-hmm. I think you would very much say that this Enneagram helps you do that. So I, I'm Absolutely. thankful that you're here to kind of unveil that for us. I guess my last question for you is quite simple. You know, here at LeaderCast, we, our mission is to fill the world with leaders worth following. And I mean, just real quickly, again, I think you've said it plenty of times, but just one more time, explain to me how you feel the Enneagram can help you be a leader worth following. Well, here's the deal. Most people live on autopilot. Mm. You know what I mean? Most people just kind of go through life repeating the same strategies over and over and over again, whether or not they work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, we're just out there, you know, doing the same thing. I mean, look, let me ask you a question. Think about your life. As you look in the rearview mirror at all the relationships you've had, friendships, hardships along the way, you see repeating themes and patterns, things that have gone wrong in your life, and you scratch your head and you say, gosh, why do I do that over and over and over again? Absolutely. Can, can you see any? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I can tell you right now that if you were working with the Enneagram, you could probably account for a large percentage of those by just simply getting to know yourself. You can start to eliminate repeating problems, patterns, personality patterns that actually work against you, Mm. right? So here's the deal. We pick these things up in childhood because they work at that time. You know what I'm saying? Like they get our basic needs met for esteem, approval, safety control, you know, that's personality is largely made up of these defense systems and coping mechanisms that helped us survive the trauma and the anxiety associated with being a little person in a world filled with huge people. (laughs) You know what I mean? And making demands on us and asking us to become people that we may or may not be in order to please them, right? Well, what if you just continue using those systems in adulthood long past their expiration date? Well, you're just going to find yourself in locked into ways of being in the world relating to other people that don't work, but you don't know any alternatives. You're just stuck. It's almost like all the leaders, you know, you, until you know yourself, it's like you're a car up on blocks and you just keep slamming on the gas. You're not going anywhere. You know, so what the Enneagram can do is just help you get some traction. Mm-hmm. 
to get on the ground and, and to move. And I, and I have to say, you know, I'm not sure if I told this story at, at, at LeaderCast or not. I, you know, last couple of years I've done so much speaking, it's hard for me to remember <laughs> what I said where. But let me give you an example of this in a family setting where a dad, and that's a form of leadership, right? Absolutely. You, you're not only caring for your children, you're trying to lead them with wisdom, not just information, not just discipline. You want to impart wisdom to your children, right? So this dad discovered while he was at a, a workshop that he was an eight on the Enneagram. Okay. He ran a construction company. He's a big, big guy. And he was very, very forceful. For some reason today, I'm telling story about stories about eights, right? <laughs> well, his son was a, a four on the Enneagram. And you, they're really very, very different types of people. Yes. Yes. His son was, a, was an artist. He's a, a four is the individualist. They are far from being challengers. And at the end of the day, the dad came up to the Enneagram teacher and he said, hey, you know, I just realized today that I'm an eight and my son's a four. We barely spoken very much in the last six years. He's 28 since he left home because basically I spent his entire life, you know, as a father trying to make him into a replica of me and he's not me. And it just created so many problems between us that, you know, we've, we've become estranged from one another. I just didn't understand him. So that night he goes home, he calls his son, and he comes over, the son comes over, and they literally stay up all night till like six o'clock in the morning, like, you know, six to six, just talking, laughing, crying. And at the end of which, they really had a very powerful moment of reconciliation between them. And two weeks later, the eight comes back to this Enneagram teacher and says, you know, we had this powerful experience, but maybe two weeks after the workshop, his son was killed in a car accident. The dad told the Enneagram teacher, you know, yeah, of course, it's tragic, I'm heartbroken, terrible. But do you realize how much worse it would have been if I hadn't learned the Enneagram and learned about the inner workings of my son? We just never, he would have died without us ever being reconciled with one another. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot at stake in self-awareness. You know what I mean? There, it, there's just a lot at stake at knowing who you are and knowing who other people are. So that you can be a person in the world who lives out of a place of conscious awareness. You're not living on autopilot. You're living wide awake. And in a world where increasingly, particularly in the world of, of business, where we're in a global world, where we're, you know, I've got a team that, you know, we all meet virtually, right? Mm-hmm. Man, oh man, I can just be so much more attuned to what's happening in the moment as a result of my understanding you know, who I am completely? Absolutely not. It's an ongoing project, right? But I'm just telling you, you're way ahead of the curve. Even if you have 10% more awareness about who you are and who other people are, man, you're, you're far ahead of the competition most of the time. So I just can't commend whatever system you use, whether it's the Enneagram or not. I just say to people, keep going. You are, be a student of yourself your whole life. It's not self-absorption. If you do it for the right reasons, if you're doing it in service to helping other people, then it's not navel-gazing. It, mm. It's really about I, everywhere you go. I, I try and tell, I tell this to my kids and myself all the time. Wherever you go, make it better. You know what I mean? Like whatever situation you walk into, whatever place you walk into, make a decision. You're going to make it better before you leave it, right? Somehow or another, just make it better. And I'm telling you, the, the key to it so much of the time is, Understand who you are, who others are, and by virtue of that, you'll just start automatically making the world better. And I mean, again, 
we're not just here to make money. We're not just here to improve the bottom line. Those are important things. We're here to make the world better, I think. I mean, in my opinion, for my life. And so I want to start with me and I want to understand other people so I can do that more effectively, more consistently, more powerfully, and more joyfully. Because I'm not banging guardrail to guardrail through people's lives by doing the same old thing over and over again that is yielding the same dumb result. <laughs> you know, I want, to, I want to be doing the right stuff for the right people all the time. Well, you have given us quite a wealth of wisdom about not only our self-awareness, but also, you know, relationships with others. But I know you have a couple of other ways that we can find out this information. Would you tell our listeners all the places that you put out your information? Sure. So the first thing you can do, and again, as I mentioned, self-report assessments are not always accurate, okay? But it's a good entryway into the conversation. People can go to exploreyourtype.com and take a very short you know, inventory of mine that will get them started on the journey. But again, I just say it's the start, not the conclusion, right? Then I would tell you, read a book. Now, here's why I'm going to recommend my book. It's not simply because I want to put my kids through college, all right? (laughs) There's more to it than that, although that's part of it. It really is this. The Enneagram over time, you know, if you read most Enneagram books, they're 500 pages. They're very complicated. They're very technical. And most people start them and they go, wow, this is great. They get about 50 pages in and they're like, you know, they're a little confused because it's, it's fairly dense. And they're like, gosh, I got to quit my day job if I want to understand this thing. And they give up. The good thing about The Road Back to You, which is the book that I wrote about the Enneagram, is I labored to make the difficult simple. And I wanted people to be able to get a, a real bead on the system enough that they could benefit from it by just reading this one book, or maybe it was, a, you know, it becomes a gateway into a lot, you know, reading a lot of other books, but one way or another, they could come out of this thing with a pretty good understanding of the system and be able to apply it. So the road back to you is a great resource. And then, gosh, there's a whole host of other books you can go on to from, from there. Finally, I'd say workshops. You know, if you can get to a day long or bring me or another Enneagram teacher into your company, your organization, your nonprofit, whatever it is, to work with your team for a day, hugely helpful. And it's a really great investment of time. I've done it for the Mike Hyatt company, for Ramsey Solutions. You know, I've, of the six or 700 people in Ramsey, I think I've probably trained four or 500 of them. And again, it's made a world of difference in the insides of those, those types of, of companies. Same thing at Discovery Channel and other places. So, Again, those are the three kind of best ways to get at it. And you can go to my website, iancron.com, I-A-N-C-R-O-N.com. And all of those are really good places to start. Well, thank you again so much for being with us here on this episode of the LeaderCast podcast. Again, you can find him online at iancron.com and exploreyourtype.com and find his book, The Road Back to You, as well as Chasing Francis. And Jesus, My Father, The CIA and Me, which is a great title, in Amazon and Barnes & Nobles anywhere. Ian, thank you again for being here. We are just blessed to have your perspectives here in the LeaderCast family. Uh, It's been my delight. Thanks for having me on. Now, you can find this and all episodes of the LeaderCast podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and of course, on LeaderCast.com. Please interact with our podcast. You can do so on Twitter or Facebook by using the hashtag 
the LeaderCast podcast. Give us thoughts and ideas and feedback on how we're doing here. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the LeaderCast podcast. Please enjoy this ad for LeaderCast Live. LeaderCast Live is the largest one-day leadership event in the world. Join tens of thousands of fellow leaders live in Atlanta or at a host site near you. Visit live.leadercast.com to learn more. Thanks for tuning in to the LeaderCast podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. In today's ultra-competitive job market, top-tier talent are leaving companies in search of top-tier professional development. Now more than ever, you must invest in your emerging leaders. LeaderCast 365 is a world-class professional development system featuring access to three annual LeaderCast events, a post-event journey to activate the inspiration and insights gained from LeaderCast events, plug-and-play lunch and learn programs with group discussion questions, concise video courses to address weaknesses and build upon strengths, and our library of more than 1,200 short-form videos from a slate of industry experts organized into 16 key professional development categories. Invest in your all-star employees and attract new top talent to join them with LeaderCast 365.